Welcome to the MRAC Film Club Podcast, where Marlin ranks above Charlton. What we do here is one of us chooses a theme for the month, and that person makes a playlist for what we watch each week. We meet once a week to discuss a film and the occasional supplemental. We spoil everything, spoils abound, so watch the movie. Who are we? I am your de facto host, Art the Teacher. And with me as always... From the backwoods of Maine, Brian. Science bitch. And from Rhode Island, we have Pete. What is Brian? What does that mean? Um, yeah. Hey guys, um, I'm gonna be your mystery maestro today. So we got a good movie to talk about here. And also, what did Brian mean by that? But <laughs> Brian, do you want to address that now or after we, we introduce the rest of us? Nope. Okay. And over in Asia, we have Marco. Um, I sell plants. All right. Do they, have, do they have people? Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> I, oh, we're spoiling. I, I, we're spoiling I, I, way too early. I, 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 I sell a, a different green thing, a natural green thing, not, not made from another natural thing, just natural in its own right. For the folks at home, Marco's actually holding up a plant that he sells. <laughs> And if, if you want to find out more about that, stay tuned at the end for the um, for the plugs. We do them now. We do them later. And I should say for my moniker uh, this week, that was courtesy of Kevin Patterson from the uh, Land of the Creeps uh, Facebook page. who came up with that one, which uh, I don't know if you guys if you guys get the reference. Yeah, I did art not. from the burbs. Different art, different art, 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 the clown. So it's Art the Clown, but uh, I'm an art teacher. So it's Art the Teacher. I get, you know, I kind of like that one. I don't know if it's if it's a permanent, long term, but well, in the burbs, the art actually tells a story about. Well, he's not a clown, but he's an ice cream truck driver. He's kind of clown. Yeah, okay, he's not a clown. Fuck. Wait, was Art the the name of the character, or was Art the the ice cream guy that killed everybody? He was the name of the character. Red Rover, Red Rover, let Art go on over. I should I should, good, I should know that good. the amount of times we watch that? I have um, not seen it, and I right. and I recognize the reference. But one thing you have seen, and what we're talking about this week, is 1973's Soylent Green. This is the final week of Pete's Mystery Month. Pete, do you want to do the introduction and give us a little how this ties into your theme, and then we can go around the horn? Yeah. Maybe we'll get started with this movie, and then after we get in here, we'll spend we'll take some time later to talk about how they tie together. Um, but this week we did a 1973 movie called Soylent Green. Director is Richard Fleischer. Uh, you you may know him from Conan the Destroyer or other um, fantasy and space related movies. Um, th- this movie, uh, Soylent Green, starred Char- Charlton Heston. And I have to say, guys, I have not 
seen Charlton Heston movies. Have have any of you guys seen them all? All, all of these um, biblical movies or no? I haven't seen. Uh, Marco Moses. Yeah. Have you was, seen was... uh, Have you seen Charlton Heston movies? Yeah, but uh, what was what was the name? Was it Moses? Was I saw that one. one. No, I saw that one with Michael Moore. Was there Ben Hur or no? Am I making this up? Okay, so we're so that that's how much we know about Charlton Heston at this I, point. Recent research, we should have uh, the Ten Commandments. Oh my God! Here we Jesus. go. That's the big one. Come on, man. <laughs> I know him not from those movies, not from the historical movies, from his like his sci-fi movies, like Planet of the Apes and Omega Man. Okay, that's good. And I'm I'm like a huge Planet of the Apes fan, so that's pretty much how I know him. Okay, I don't know if I've seen that, so feel free to bring it sometime. Um, so diving into Soylent Green here, um, yeah, you know this movie was a bit—I don't know if I want to say dystopian. It was—it was, it was uh, so it's set far in the future, in the year 2022, oh. that we're all going to have to imagine how <laughs> the year two, 2022 might look. Um, Pete, Pete, just fucking stop right there. <laughs> so, um, what do you a mean? Bit? It's a, a bit, a bit. Dystopian. <laughs> If this isn't dystopian, like, what do you consider dystopian? They're literally like eating people for food. The whole fucking planet is burning. Yeah, but they um, didn't. They did. Okay, the burner. The planet is burning now, anyways. And they didn't even have flat screen TVs. They didn't have Chat GPT. They, you know, I don't know. I'd say the world today I mean, got got more dystopian than this movie was. I mean, way, I mean, you know? I work every day at Evil Consulting Inc. to bring about said future, as as we've seen. And so I agree. Do you do you equate uh, dystopian with technology? Is that is that the definition of dystopian? Mm -hmm. I mean, well, you, I'm just asking because you mentioned the TVs <laughs> and the uh, the chat GPT. Okay, okay. Um, disclaimer: I don't know the definition of dystopian. So. Clearly. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a that was a great synopsis. Do you want to um? Do you want to go yeah. out no, and let's, get our initial reactions, or do you? No, want let me, let me give you a let a, finish. A, let two, finish. a okay, two se two sentence specific synopsis. So Charlton Heston plays Detective Thorne, a police officer. Um, all the people at this time in the world are like in poverty. Everybody's in poverty. They're all living together pretty much in slums. Um, not even slums. They're living in the church. They're living in lobbies of buildings and hallways. There, there's no vegetables. Um, th this is caused by global warming, we think. And what what else was there none of other than like vegetables, oceans? I, I don't know, like nature. Yeah, the animals. There's no, there's no water. Yeah, there's no water. Like, and, and there's a, effectively an energy shortage. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, the, you know, the wealthy people are, are living very well, though. And the the movie um, gets going, gets started with um, a death occurring, a death of a wealthy person who's related to the major corporation that seems to be um, funding the government. You might say. So, the detective Thorne concludes that the death is actually a murder uh he starts to tie that to a suspect the bodyguard and and then the movie just takes off from there so i think that that gets us rolling here guys if you, if you guys want to jump in and talk about it and we should I, say i, I have the... one i have one quick question simply because brian was the only one not familiar with this cultural reference 
Like how how blown away were you by the discovery of what Soylent Green is? That's what yeah. before you yeah, that's what we just Soylent was the company we should say. But yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask the same thing because yeah, we that came up last week. Brian, do you want to go first or you go last in the synopsis? Brian should go first. Yeah, not the synopsis, but the initial thought. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'll just give real quick because we'll get into all of it. I, I, I really liked the movie. I thought it was well done. I thought. Um, there were a couple like artistic choices of how to shoot it. And I don't, we can talk later about the cinematography and the color. I don't know if they used like a different lens or a filter to make everything really bland, or if it was literally just the costumes that people used, um, that, that were super bland. But I, I thought it, there were a lot of factors that contributed to setting the, the tone and the mood for the movie is just being, you know, both desperate, but also, I don't know. I don't know if agnostic is the right word. I mean, just there wasn't a lot of hope or feeling, which is intentional. I thought that was great. Um, and then toward, you know, to skipping over the whole movie toward the ends, you know, the big reveal. Um, when he broke into the factory and, and I started seeing like the conveyor belts, I said, oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. And that, that's when I knew. And that it was before they told you what was happening. But right when I saw the conveyor belts, I kind of, when he was going to the factory, like in the back of my mind, I was thinking there was something messed up like that. And then when you see the little way, the bodies go up and the wafers come on the belt, it's like, I think I know what's happening here. This is, I think I know what's happening. Yeah. So it was actual, it was actually a big reveal for you. I thought maybe you'd be watching it and be like, oh, wait, I know now. Cause you're such like a student of pop culture. You know, and this has been is it's been such a big part of pop culture. I'd never heard that. I'd never heard that reference in pop culture. No, because it was like um, an, a murder mystery was essentially the movie with that being the big reveal at the end. Did you have yeah. any theories other than other than that about what? Because the, there was there some what the conspiracy was or anything. No, I mean, you kind of think it has something to do with because food is pretty, pretty present in every discussion, almost every discussion. So you kind of, you have you have some idea it has to do with the food supply and it has to do with um, some kind of maintaining social order. But specifically the food, I, I mean, that, that people were being food. I know I did not until the, the end when he broke in. Did I realize that? Yeah, I tried to keep. I, I tried not to guess this one. I tried to just like let the movie take me, and it because it was pretty entertaining. So, I mean, there, there were so many other things to think about as well. Like, I wasn't just trying to solve the mystery because I, I think the, the social order in itself was was really interesting, and um, especially the the his, his partner and roommate Saul. I mean, his story is, is fantastic. So, uh, so there were plenty of things to distract me. Saul Saul was a great character. Um, mm -hmm. we'll get into, we'll get into him, but as, as far, I'll give my initial reactions. Cause I wasn't sure if I had seen this movie, cause I'm so familiar with, you know, like it's people. And we, we talked about the, the SNL skit, which I think maybe that's how I found out about it. But, but I, I was, I thought for sure I was going to watch it and be like, oh, I've seen this, but I had never seen it. I just had never, I thought maybe even on TV and passing, none of it was familiar. But I about it, but I did enjoy it. I was in for the ride and um I liked the the characters. I I just I love Charlton Heston from Planet of the Apes and just this cat this this character he's got going on. 
that's my initial initial thoughts um marco uh definitely i i haven't seen too much of, of charlton heston i think other than 10 commandments when i like i guess i would used to watch that around christmas time growing up uh and i've known this reference for again like Renzo used to would would make some comments about it, and then I'd seen the SNL sketch like back in the day, so was really happy to cross this one off my list. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of I, it was funny that that the time is set as twenty twenty two, so whenever you watch like an old science fiction film, it's just like oh oh they're talking about us now. Let's let's see if they, they managed to get any of this right um so that's that's always amusing um i was somewhat uh from a science fiction perspective like and this is not always the point of science fiction like a lot of science fiction is trying to be pure to the science and actually predictive in some way and then derive the story from there other science fiction is taking an aspect of uh of, as as this film does of a current issue that we're dealing with in this case environmentalism and then trying to extrapolate uh what a future might look like if things get better or they get worse so it was not not very good hard science fiction but i think it was effective in what it was trying to communicate um i you know in, in terms of the messaging of the story I, again like from a scientific perspective i, I don't think it's it was very accurate uh, in its predictions, and I think it was a little too um, um, hyperbolic. And well, you know, if we if we don't figure out this this whole thing in thirty years' time, this is going to happen. That's a bit hyperbolic, and sort of also kind of denies human ingenuity, uh, which is always part of the discussion as to what a future will look like. Like, yes, we are creating a lot of problems right now, but we are also, you know very intelligent people who are able to respond to to such features so it might deny that in a sense but i think it's effective and in, in, it's always effective in saying like you know if, if we're not paying attention to these things um what what possible futures might look like and and they're not necessarily good ones uh, that's but, but that's making a huge assumption that that human ingenuity will win over human ignorance and that's a big well, assumption I, I, again, the assumption goes both ways, right? And so my my point is <laughs> my point is not to argue, uh, you know, which which assumption is is the correct one, but simply to say, like it, I I thought it it it, it was a little over over the top in in terms of like, well, you know, we're we're gonna deplete the oceans, we're gonna uh, completely destroy humanity, and yet somehow support of uh, a population eight times current growth um which is also problematic but it is it effective in sort of delivering the message of um really what i thought was most poignant was when Saul roth is dying and he's just watching nature and how of like how emotional that was for for him and charlton heston's character and watching it I'm, I'm i initially i'm like kind of confused i was like what's the big deal and then i i started to appreciate i was like oh oh this is what happens when you live in a world where you don't actually get to appreciate things that we take for granted 
And if that's ever removed from us, how um, devastating and tragic that would be. So I, I thought in, in terms of delivering a message, that scene was the most effective for me and and creating an appreciation for, for what we have now and, and the need to, to preserve that. It, so. And that's that's why the Saul character was so important. That's like that was like his role because he was just a he was the one person in the in the film, the one character that had been in the past where he had these things like nature and meat. So he's just like, oh, you don't know what it was like. And it was it was it's super funny the first time that he 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 made um uh, the detective Thorn try lettuce. And that was super cool because Thorne was like totally underwhelmed by the taste yeah. of this. I love Great that. Um, no, we'll, just, we'll... just the sense of appreciation. All of those scenes. Best. I, I was. I was going to say about some of the best food scenes we've seen of of any of our films. Just, just in in the the, the sense of appreciation that the characters had for what they were eating. Yeah, he doesn't eat any ranch. Yeah, just just dive in right of that. that well, you could have used just some ranch plain lettuce. lettuce. The lettuce, yeah. yeah. But yeah, just that. But appreciating the the little things, right? Yeah. It's like if you don't, have, you know, oh yeah, lettuce is lettuce. But if you don't have lettuce, and you you it just like how you would uh, you know appreciate and miss that taste when you put a, a piece of iceberg in your mouth. But you, you know, you know, but back backtracking a little bit. Um, I, I think in, in all of my research into this movie, um, it, it wasn't really, I don't think it was intended to be a movie about climate change. It was, it was intended to be a movie about overpopulation and they, they, they briefly mentioned climate here and there, but I, I don't think that that was, I don't think that one of the drivers was supposed to be a changing climate. Well, they, um, I, I, well, the, the montage I, at the beginning, they like blasted it in your face. Right. Was that the pot like kept showing like the smokestacks and the I guess one one they go hand in hand, I guess, overpopulation yeah. industry, overpopulation yeah. industry. Yeah, I, I sort I sort of okay, like it was it was a number of issues, but yeah. it, was, it was global warming, overpopulation. And to Marco's to, to Marco's point about oversimplifying, they don't really tell you what's happening to the other, you know. 150 countries in the world you know it's sort of it, it makes it seem like say the united states is the whole world is so that's well they, it, they do say the, the oceans are drying up and and it does mention the fact that philadelphia is merging into new york so everything's becoming like a city but they just mention it right you don't see anything else other than this little part of manhattan yeah that's a good hint right there actually that's a good hint and and yeah, because when you have no, I guess it makes sense, right? Because when you have no no more nature, like what's the point of living out? Or in, everything like, is urbanized. Or or maybe it's actually a glorification of America in that we survived last and the rest of the world died first. Interesting subtext. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. <laughs> really, it's a testament, uh, not to human <laughs> ingenuity, to but to American ingenuity that we're. Where all else had failed, we continue to survive. We're we're able to drink, uh, what whiskey without uh without water. Yeah. Oh, and him enjoying but, but whiskey. bourbon, bourbon in particular, fine American whiskey. That 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 my one of my favorite parts of the movie was was not like Brando enjoying that whiskey, but him enjoying everything. 
like just putting water in his face. Dope. Yeah. There's no soap in this society. I said Brando. He said Brando. Did I say Brando? Uh, <laughs> Charlton. Charlton. Sorry. And, but, um, yeah. But the but, sh- the shower scene too, like that with the with the hot water, as much hot water as you want. Oh, <laughs> uh, in the air conditioning. He's like, can we turn on the air conditioning? Well, the, the whole time I didn't realize get the whole time he's like he's he's always going over to that wall and putting his I was like what the oh. heck is he doing I was like oh it's the aircon because he's got he's got he's he's a sweaty mess the whole movie there's yeah. no air conditioning there's no energy and like furniture before we get to Marco's favorite part of the movie the the fact that the the women come with the apartments and our furniture all right all right let's let's keep that. <laughs> But, but but him him like taking that taking that fluffy pillow and being like oh he's and, he just, and I loved how he just like the police are just untouchable in the society too so he just like grabs a pillowcase and he starts throwing stuff in it but as for someone who never had this stuff he just yeah he really the joy that he was getting from everything and there's the the comment the the police chief like the sergeant uh, where Hawthorne uh makes it like and what did you take everything and then they laugh and they laugh yeah because they make a point that the police if you assault a police it's like death right there's a huge you get the death penalty in the society for everything you know so they can make you into spoiler alert can make you into crackers yeah and i I think brian made a point that like there was sort of a monotone feeling throughout the movie i mean probably unless you're in the wealthy person's house maybe but did you guys notice how his he was like sweating the entire movie? And I don't know if that's just how things were in the seventies, but he had this just glazed face the entire movie. I no, they made was... they made a point to that. Everybody was always dabbing themselves. Yeah. That they made a point to show that it was just hot, muggy, and awful everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those little details, though, they they do a lot to help the movie. I think, and they have that green tint. The only the only thing I know about the. Did you just notice like it's just a green tint on every shot? Yeah. The only yeah, thing I, mean, I know it, is is about the um the that they were it was all done in sets. So that's one connection I made with Alphaville was there they were both this, if you could call them dystopian futures, but Alphaville was shot all <laughs> if you could call it that, all in a city. And this was just all on sets. Like I think the 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 factory at the end was some kind of actual factory in Los Angeles, but everything else was just made on a set. And they specifically designed when they designed the sets, they they designed them so they're kind of unfinished, so they can tweak them as they go in the movie. But they just left them unfinished, like in like in like in shambles, pretty much. Because this was a kind of a I think it was a low budget for its time. Huh. Yeah, the uh, the the tent. I mean, I mean, it it, it looks like you're dealing with. Um, I mean, there's just that haze over the entire film. It, it looks like a green haze. It must have been an effect. I imagine must have been. Yeah, um, they really fun, made fun. the air green. I mean, because it was just everything fact. in dull colors. I I, lo- I loved it. Uh, fun fact for for those who aren't aware, uh, Venus is uh a a is the example of what happens to a planet with a runner uh runaway greenhouse effect uh venus uh many hundreds of millions of years ago was actually green and lush 
and gorgeous. Uh, and then, well, not, not now I have to look this up. It was actually like Venus would have been another earth, uh, if it weren't for the fact that it ended up having a, a greenhouse, no greenhouse effect. And now it's, uh, like a literal hell. And yeah, you, you kind of, when, when you see pictures of Venus, it's just this very thick haze. Um, so it kind of, kind of reminded me of, of, uh, uh, a planet kind of converting into a, a Venus type planet. Is it a purple haze? It is not my, a purple. All in my brain. Uh, oh my god! No, no, no! Help! No, no. help! Yes, but no. <laughs> I uh, let's also give a shout out to a little bit more of the cast. We had Charlton Heston. Uh, this is the first time we've covered him. Um, we also he he has that hanky. He like has like his outfit. He's got the bandana on his neck. He's got the the Confederate style like train conductor hat. I don't know if that is a futuristic police uh, gear. But we also had uh, Chuck Connors. So Chuck Connors was in. He was in like a West. He's famous for a Western TV show. He's the bodyguard, and I know him from Taurus Trap, this this seventies horror movie. And he was an old yeller. Uh, he's also like a professional, I think a baseball player for a short time. Was he the dog in Old Yeller? He was the, yeah, he was the dog. And he also played the, the, um, the horse from Mr. Ed. Wide range, he had wide range. <laughs> and uh, in, in a note on Edward G. Robinson, who played Saul. So he oh, was I got like, the same note. What about him? Um. He was he was almost uh, deaf. He was dying from cancer. He didn't tell anyone. He died four months after filming this. His last uh, his last scene of a movie was him dying in the suicide clinic when you in that scene. His last ever, ever film, which I thought was great. But he was also so, so you, deaf. So you know, like when you look at that scene, you know that I mean, he obviously he has an idea that his his cancer is terminal. And so when he's acting in that scene, you know for sure that that's going through his mind. So that's a pretty incredible piece to rewatch, knowing that situation. It's weird. Because I, I saw an interview with so the gentleman who worked at that facility who escorted him there. I watched an interview because reports were saying that he died. You know, a couple months after. Um, I had two months after he died. Two months after filming. The guy who escorted him to that, he was in an interview many years later where he then described that happening and he described the next day he was in the set and he said that Charlton Heston organized everybody, stood on stage and said, hey, this guy died last night. He, he and, and, and he said that was the very next day. So clearly somebody somebody's remembering something wrong or differently or or surprised but he did when when, when he you did said die actually good i'm just he did he, he did die wait uh, we have a little uh technical difficulty there no i i, op I accidentally opened my case fuck don't do that <laughs> for the folks uh, at home, i just slid it across the room i accidentally opened my um my ipods my ear pods case for for the uh, for the folks at home, that's code word for his junk. He he's unzipped his fly and his. Uh, so, Brian, when you say the guy that escorted him to the to the um, you know 
place to die. Do you mean the guy from Spaceballs? <laughs> Dick Dick Van Patten, who played the uh, good call, Pete. He played the king from Spaceballs. Uh, that's where I fucking saw him. I knew I knew him from somewhere. You're right. He was the fucking king from Spaceballs. Good call. That Pete, that's great. I think he's also famous for other things. No. But but I think that I mean, that's his most important work, of course, was uh Spaceballs. Um he was also in Robin and Men in Tights. And the same year this came out, he was in Westworld, the original Westworld, not the series. And he was in that 70s show, Dick Van Patten. Where and should then he... the, and then the uh the black woman was in Night Court. I don't know her name right here, but I was looking. Jesus, her up earlier. Pete, you're killing it tonight. Oh, no, wow. I, that was that was some IMDb uh, help there. Night Chuck, Court. Chuck That's Connors. Um, I was going to say his girlfriend, but I guess we'll go with his furniture that she was eating the jam. Yes, she's uh, she was in Night Court. One of the regular actor actresses. Let's let's go on to that because the the role of women in this society is very interesting. Um, and if any and if any conversation get us canceled, I guess this could be it. But um, <laughs> it was a very strange because the the way they don't. Wh- one of the thing I do appreciate about this movie is they don't like, except for the video montage at the beginning. I felt like maybe the environmental aspect was kind of everything is like ham fisted. Is that a word an expression or just hammered over your head? They don't they're they're kind of like subtle about everything, like exactly what the women were. Because like it says, how long have you been with him? Like, oh, since we moved in, but he's or or something. It's just they hint at it and then you're not quite sure. And you should spe- you should specify it's it's not the role of women inside, it's the role of women in high society. Because in the low society, it, it was just a mix and nothing mattered. Everybody just piled on top of each other, and that's all right. we know. Right. And in this, if you're if you're if you're wealthy enough, yes, to to be in the an apartment, it comes with a woman. And it seems like they were happy to be there, obviously, because they're getting the finer things in life. But you I don't know if I would use happy to be there, but you know, they accepted their fate. I guess it depends on who. I mean, she was happy with the guy the guy who got killed because he was he treated her very nicely yeah i i I, it's uh i i think a a good term for them is is concubine um because a a concubine will have uh that's i i mean i i I guess the the most modern equivalent would be like a, a high level escort um but not not necessarily like straight prostitution like they're there to be uh, a companion and to fill the role i suppose uh that a uh, an actual romantic partner would fill for the individual and maybe it's taken me it's taken me all of my energy to not do the the high-pitched singing (laughs) well i I mean that's that, I mean, that's a, that's actually the the that's actually the best reference. Like when you're when you're living in a society where you have a scarcity of resources and and all all the finer things are kind of like funneled towards the top, and then you have individuals in power who can um, basically you know take additional resources for yourselves. Uh, that's you end up with 
something like a, a, a concubine. And that high-pitched singing was from the name of that movie was My Dear Concubine, or what was the name of that movie? Farewell, Farewell My Concubine. Farewell, My Concubine. That was another month that Marco hosted eons ago. It's a great month. That was a, um, a the first ever co-hosted month where Marco and myself did China. Oh, yeah. That was a great one. And then we, in turn, co-hosted Tarkovsky. No. No. Yeah, it was the, the China month and the Tarkovsky month. Uh, yes, yes. Chen Chen Kaigo's masterpiece, Farewell, My Concubine. So so fun, you know, fun fact about this movie. Um, so, uh, you know, we mentioned it. I think we mentioned it was based on a book. The name of the book was Make Room, Make Room. You know, a major difference between the book and the movie? In the book, the, the people were not food. Really? So oh, pretty, it's, it's actually like he there. I mean, he, he the director, they, they diverge from the source material a lot. Apparently, the director, the uh, the the author of the book kind of 50 percent liked it and 50 percent didn't. But um, it's about as good as you're going to get from the author of a book. Right. Yeah, there's there's no reference to cannibalism. Uh, there's no there's no concubine. The concubines are referred to as furniture, and so the furniture comes with these these high end apartments. So that's that's not in the original book. Um, also, Soylent. So Soylent is referenced to uh, effectively like a meal replacement that's made from soy and lentils, hence Soylent. Do you know there's actually a company called so I oh, yeah. there's a company oh, yeah. formed in 2013 by a couple um and they were engineers software I think software Silicon engineers. Valley types. Yeah, they were they were three software engineers who basically just like ate ramen noodles and were super tired of that food and came up with the concept because they also liked the book and the movie. Yeah, they were fans of the book Make Room Make Room. Um and so they uh, they they formed a fucking company called Soylent, and I was like, "Wow, that's so." So people, when that came out, people were actually like surviving on nothing but Soylent. That was that was one of the um, kind of pitches of the, of the company is that you could literally only drink Soylent and and be okay. My friend Roy actually got a box of the powder Soylent, and he was bragging about it. That lasted a couple of days. <laughs> I remember going over to his house and uh, and seeing that, and he he was like, "Oh, this is great!" And he gave me the whole pitch. So right, you were eating burgers out at the restaurant. Yeah, but but you had never heard of a Soylent Green reference until you watched this movie today. But right. your but your friend spent all this time talking about Bragging it. With about you. I just <laughs> thought it was. I mean, I just I just thought it was a food <laughs> product because he never brought up a movie. He I don't think he and, saw any of it. Right. And, and he's showing him like Brian, Brian, look, it's green. It's green. <laughs> Brian, do you know what this is made of? You know what it's made of? Uh, soy and lentils? Soy and so, so does anybody know in the actual book, in the novel, what is the big reveal? What is the big ending? What's the government doing? Or is it just bland nothing as spectacular as this? You didn't read sure the book? Big... No one no one read the book? Come on now, whose who's, who's job was it? Dropping the ball here. We've had a lot of books. Uh, yeah, Marco, are you going to chat GPT that? That seems like a... a I'm on it right now, guys. All right. 
So keep talking. Make room, make room. While you're doing them, while you're doing that, I want to go back to how crowded this city was because 40 million people is a lot. And Uh, when you get to a point where 40 million people and you're like living in stairs, do you get angry if someone steps on you? Because that guy just got got so pissed off. And I'm like, you're living on the stairs. And like, he seems like he's trying to avoid stepping on people, but you, you know, to a point. So, so not only not only forty million people, but did anybody catch uh, uh, half 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 the city is unemployed? Right, fifty percent. So it's like it's like twenty million guys are unemployed. So if that specifically refers to men, that means there's seventy five percent unemployment around uh, the male population, or it's just like half the city is unemployed. Like twenty million unemployed people. Now, this seems like a perfect time for a little segment we like to call QQ Says. I find my notes ah, on cannibalism, on the topic of eating human flesh. Meow. I'm all for it and would eat my owner. If he were to die, and uh, a question for the group: Did the humans eat the cats before they all died off? Meow, meow, meow. Great question, QQ. So, yeah, what uh, like the the dogs and the cats? Do you think they just ate them? Yeah, I think they ate them. Of course, Most, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were in like Soylent Red. So, so, so fun, fun possible. <laughs> Soylent Red is cats. Ahem. Soylent Meow. Eh, shit. <laughs> QQ, you're better than that. A rare miss. A rare miss by QQ. Um, so so, so po- possible fun fact, although I haven't confirmed this. My understanding is that if if you if you pass out, like like if you die next to your dog and there's no other food source, your dog will just starve uh and because dogs are very loyal to your owners however a cat if you die next to your cat uh it won't very it won't wait very long until it starts to to eat you uh, uh, for survival uh, uh, meow uh, do you mean dogs are loyal or fucking dumb you could take another big <laughs> cats dogs well depending on who you ask well, I've got the results for the, uh, you know, awesome. long, long story short, the book, as I read the synopsis, is very much not like the movie. So, um, but interestingly enough, the, on the last line, the, the, the last the last line or one of the last lines of the book, the story concludes with the Times Square screen announcing that the census says United States had its biggest year ever, end of the century, 344 million citizens. Which let me just see current population of US. That's about that's about it's, that. it's over three it's around three forty right now. That is correct. Three hundred and thirty one point nine million as of twenty twenty one. Oh, I thought we had reached three forty already. All right. So basically three hundred thirty two million at the end of twenty twenty one. And he was pretty close, three forty four million. Not bad. So which future was more accurate, 
the future in Soylent Green or the future in Back to the Future Part 2? <laughs> and which one would you rather live in? Because I think that's a no-brainer. It's just the flying cars. That's the only reason that that one doesn't go. And the uh, the jackets, when you put on the jacket, it automatically, like, it's like a one, it's a giant jacket. You put it on and it, like, shoo. I think they've done that. It just costs twenty thousand dollars. You can sketch on a hoverboard. Yeah. Uh, a fun fun fact about the the rather weak attempt to integrate actual technology into the film that I think that was the first appearance of a computerized game uh, in any film. I have a note on that. That was um, it was designed in nineteen seventy one by Nolan Bushnell, who founded Atari and he designed Pong. Oh, okay, that makes total sense because yeah. I was I, wa- I was watching the film was when when did Atari come out? Very uh, much looks I, like Atari. Yeah, yeah. I thought this go. predated Atari. There you go. When did Pong come out? ChatGPT, why are you doing that? I have a question. Now, do you think at the end of this movie it just ends with being like it's people and that's it? Do you think that anyone cared? And then. They, did anything change as a result of him just saying this did, or just and then uh, no i think on, on top of that a follow-up question to that is it so bad like why not eat dead people if you can make it nourishable i i have some thoughts about this so so first of all uh pong came out in 1972 um sec, sec, second i think i i think the implication is that society didn't change anyone else i agree uh, I think I think that the um, the 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 low income population was so volatile at the time. I think this would have pushed them over the edge, and and it just and there would have just been complete anarchy. They were rioting over way less, but they well, were rioting because they loved Soylent Green. They loved it. Like they, that's. I don't think they really they love. No, I don't think they were writing because they loved it. I think they were writing because it was the only source of fucking food, and there wasn't enough of it. So if they could maybe figure out a system where they're, you know, when you volunteer to go in the suicide chamber, you're getting into made into into crackers. They're so like, hey, let me feed my fellow man. So yeah. I, the I, movie I the movie ends with the nature scenes that you watch when you're going to die, and. I I was actually like angry with the way this movie ended. I was like, you know, I was like, what the hell? You can't just end like that. But th- but then as I thought about it for a few minutes, I realized it's it it was actually a good ending. I thought, and I, and I think those nature scenes were symbolic of he didn't make it out. He got captured. <laughs> He's done, and nothing changes. Um, and then uh, another comment on the soil and green thing. Do do you think that w- when they were doing riot control, and they were re- and and People were rioting because they were out of Soylent Green. Do you think they were just scooping up the bodies to make more Soylent Green? And it was just oh, yeah. that, that oh, automatic? Yeah. Full okay. circle. I got the impression that everybody who died in any way, no matter what, was made into Soylent Green. Which is uh, the fact that they don't have enough of it still. It was kind of shocking. Yeah. But I mean, said Charlton got shot in like the torso. And I just, it just seems like a fitting in the, yeah, with those videos, I guess that's him like seeing his, you know, what everybody sees before they die. Yeah. Or symbolic of that. Right. 
No, no, my 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 interpretation, my thinking was that as they're dragging him off, he's he's around like the sick and dying. So they're they're too weak to kind of pay attention to what's going on. The only person in the position to really do something about it is the police chief, because he's relying on the police chief to, to take the mantle and then reveal to the rest of the world what's going on. But I I didn't get the impression that. It just, it just, he, he was treating it as like the, the rantings of, of a madman and was just going to go on with business as usual. And Except I, for the, um, that, the, the group of like librarians, like the, the, the group of like Saul Roth figures in the yeah. library, like they knew what was going on. And, and I think the police chief was a, you know, he was, he was, he's bought, right? So I think he's very easily bought in somebody's pocket. At least that's the impression I got. Hmm. I didn't think he was bought. I just didn't. I don't think he wanted any trouble. I, 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 he wasn't corrupt. He just didn't want trouble. Hmm. That's my well, point. I, I, I think in most situations, like 80% of people, that's, that's people just don't, you know, people are just trying to live their lives, right? They don't want any trouble. So hmm. it takes, it takes a lot to, to spur people to, like your your current situation is so bad that the um the the risks uh of speaking out no longer seem like uh um such a harsh uh um punishment and if you're a police officer having that job is like that's like one of the best jobs you could possibly have you do whatever you want you get all this you know free stuff Oh yeah, a relatively uh, ideal position in that society. Well, we know we know who you would be in the future, Raguch. Oh, I'm I got a bandana around my neck. I'm like, oh, the air conditioning. I would be the concubine. Oh, <laughs> which one? You'd you'd come with the apartment. I could yeah, see. I'd be, the, I'd I'd be see. the guy who comes with the apartment. Brian, I could see you in that party. That like kind of I I, I wrote it down as a harem party. Where she was having all the uh, all the friends over, and they're playing that music. The um, the concubine uh, lead character lead actresses were Lee Taylor Young, who we don't really know her from anything. I guess she was in Picket Fences TV show, and then Paula Kelly was the one that was in Night Court, just but just for like twelve episodes of Night Court. It all comes back to Night Court. You know, back to y'all were talking about the end credit scene and being um representing what Charlton Heston or Detective Thorne saw. I actually didn't interpret it as that. I interpreted it as for for the the scenes I thought were for the viewer for us, mm. as in like this. You know, as in like, hey, this is your future. This is what you have to look forward to. Um, it's going to be you who's seeing this. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Sounds good. For the folks at home, I'm I'm nodding my head, and Marco is um, violently masturbating. What, <laughs> dude? I'll edit that out. No, I won't. No one's listening. It's a joke. It's a joke. For the folks at home, none of us are never going to be able to enter politics after this. So just, yeah. just, just give Thank up. God. And, and, oh, and, I'm taking my name off the ballot. And Anthony, magistrating is not even really a word. There's a different way to say it. 
Wait, what is uh, the word? <laughs> uh, to be to be a magistrate. That's, that's what, what I'm it saying. Means. Okay. That's what I said. Marco's yeah. magistrating right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey guys, I was wondering, has anybody have you guys all seen the movie Cloud Atlas? No, I've no, I haven't. Yes, no. yes. How about you, Anthony? I haven't seen it. No. Okay, I, I think I should bring that next time. So don't watch that movie between now and next time. I'll try to figure if I can fucking get it into a month. Spoiler alert. Can I can, I can I mention why Cloud Atlas is related? Um, to you well, I don't know. It'd be a big spoiler though. I don't want I don't uh, want any spoilers. I I don't want I don't even want to know like the. the but I'll put. I'll say this scene. though. I'll I'll say this though. I love Cloud Atlas, so I would like to show it just because I like it. Never mind this movie, but th- yeah, there is there is some connections. Say no more. Say no more about that. I I think it's time for note dump. No dump. No, no, my favorite, no, no dump is my favorite segment. Does does no dump come before quote dump, or I've I've got some quotes. Oh uh, yeah, well you can quote dump could be part of note dump. We'll do. Okay. I like I like uh, quote dumps coming at the uh, quote dumps coming at the end after the note dump. All right, Brian, note dump. Uh, that was all my notes. I I I I already unloaded them without without you guys even knowing. Oh, so you've already unloaded your notes? Yeah. Um, I had the video game note. I think I've unloaded all of mine too. Um, I was curious. I want to. I want to know Pete's more about the process of choosing these movies because I saw that there's like connections between this and Alphaville, which are which are kind of different from the first two movies. So they're like you have a detective in a futuristic dystopian society. He's kind of slightly corrupt. He's no, a you're, hey, you're 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 overthinking this. Like literally. I, I I haven't seen these and I didn't want to spoil it for myself. So I didn't research deeper than yeah. knowing they were mysteries. Guys, there is no theme. Yeah. Like, no, no mystery. mystery. No, right. it was just that they were in the mystery list I saw. So I think Alphaville is probably my mistake because the other three had an either cop, detective, journalist. They had a real like investigator trying to solve a death. Whereas Alphaville to me, doesn't even like get close to that. I don't, so I don't know why I found so many internet resources that called it a mystery. Well, it, it's because it took that it took that Lemmy Caution character, who I guess was that detective in other movies, and it just put him in this other weird universe. Yeah, yeah. So I, that that's all though. I I was just trying to find mysteries, and I was trying to like, I was trying to sort of pick ones out that were on, they were on my list because I've been collecting a movie list for the last couple of years, and um, they. You know, they were just ones that I didn't have grouped with anything else yet. So, I, so I noticed mystery was something they had in common. So you're saying I was overthinking it by spending the entire week wondering what Green for Danger and Soylent Green had to do, and why you why you put them at the beginning and end of the month. So what I did is that the middle two movies are um, film noir, and the first and the last movie are film there. So really, you're taking the two colors and and blending it, and that's my month. Whoa! So you so you went for a puke green type of vibe for the month. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, and that's quote dump. <laughs> there, no one. One last note that's that I have dump. is the last one is that Charlton Heston he had a bit of a, a gut going on. He wasn't living like somebody that got no food. And it, I think at this point in his career, maybe Charlton Hess was just letting himself go. Because because you think like now how this movie was, 
uh, how movies are made, how actors like throw themselves into roles. I'm sure like whoever would be, would play this role today would get themselves into like a very felt kind of Christian Bale. Yeah, no, he, he right. was 50. So he was 50. And what you're saying is he pulled a Brando. That's what you're saying. He's like that, a mild a Brando. It's like mild Brando, mild Brando, because he wasn't living like somebody that that hadn't had a steak his whole life. That's all I'm saying. Hence the theme, MRAC. There we go. Um, anyone else have a note dump or quote dump? Marco, you got what do you got for quotes? Uh, quote dump. Uh, the margarine has turned. Found that very amusing. Takes takes a takes a long time to get processed uh, uh, oil uh, butter into the turn. So that. That was interesting. The, the margarine is going bad. That's not a good sign. Um, let's see. Uh, beef, Miss Cheryl. Beef, like you've never seen before. Not a great cut of beef in the film. Pretty pretty weak cut of beef. Yeah, I, I wouldn't pay more than $2 a kilo for that beef. And what did he make? He made like a stew? Is that why he made a stew out of it? I, yeah, I think it was a stew. Because he had, he had onions, celery, tomatoes, and beef. So, like, what what are you going to do with that? You you make a stew. You gotta you gotta you gotta make the food last, right? Yeah, you, you go with a stew. Go with a good solid stew. Um, and uh, if I had the money, I'd smoke I'd smoke two or three of these a day. That's great because in the seventies, didn't people smoke like two or three packs a day? Right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> only that's 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 all you're going to smoke two or three. You're not. <laughs> I got uh, my one quote is um, when when Simonson was about to be assassinated and he knew it was going to happen. He didn't fight it at all. And he sat there and he said about his own assassination, he said to his killer, he said, it's not right, but it's necessary. I really like that. Good one. Good one. Yeah, because he, he knows that. He, I mean, and to my, I guess to my point earlier, like he knew that if the truth got out, it would it would upset the current order. And my quote, you're a hell of a piece of a furniture. Rude. I didn't say it. Oh, that's true. That's true. I just, you know, it's not a quote from me about the film. So final thoughts to anyone else before we get to our final thoughts and our ratings. No, who'd like to go first? Final thoughts, ratings. Let's I'll go first. Right. Um, yeah, I liked the movie. Uh, I thought it, I disagree with Pete. I thought it was a dystopian movie. Wow, so, controversial <laughs> statement. So I, I, I'll, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it. You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna give it four out of five food riots. Wow, high score. Yeah. I don't know how much that would be out of 10. That's pretty, sounds good. That'd be a seven out of 10 food rides. Okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll go next because I'm <laughs> I'm right in there in the uh in the same ballpark as you. Eight, just in case anybody didn't fucking <laughs> anyone whose math is actually as bad as mine. Uh for the folks at home, that's eight out of ten. Um uh, what eight out of ten food rides. I'm doing. I do only five. I don't do fucking ten. It's four out of five. I, 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 all right, next. All right, all right. Well, me. 
uh, I really enjoyed it, like having never seen it before, but even knowing the the end, um, I was in for the ride. I have a soft spot for old Charlton from seeing Planet of the Apes and the Omega Man. And this is kind of a similar B sci-fi movie vibe going on. And I thought it was just done well. It didn't lag at any point. It was a crisp movie. It moved at a good pace. And I give this... 7.5 out of 10 sweaty band neck bandanas. Uh I'll I'll, I'll go next. Uh yeah, in, enjoyed enjoyed the film. Uh and I, I'm glad I I was able to cross that off my list as a as a cultural reference. Um so I'm going to give it eight out of ten people wafers. Now on that note, do you think in did they still have church and do they use soylent? um what are, what are the wafers called oh the host <laughs> like so the, body of christ. Christ. the living the you, living body of christ the, the eucharist eucharist soylent eucharists yeah they gotta have soylent eucharist right because it's <laughs> actually i mean it, it is people the eucharist i is it blasphemous is this blasphemous what i'm saying i was i was trying to like like develop a comedy routine out of like you know join catholicism because we're keto and so, like, yeah, you don't have to worry about taking carbs in every Sunday with the living body and blood of Christ. You'll, you, you, won't, you, you won't go out of ketosis with the Catholic Church. So, yeah, join, join Catholicism. We are keto. Keto Eucharist. And then they, you can uh, throw some cheese on there. It's all good. <laughs> We can use right, we're, we're, getting, we're getting borderline borderline of, of offensive here. I, I'm going to get excommunicated and canceled for the same oh. damn episode. We'll, do, I'll, we'll put an explicit. Oh, usually it's only QQ <laughs> that makes us an explicit uh, podcast, but uh, we'll put the label on this one. I'm Pete. fine. I'm fine offending the Catholics. I'm a former Catholic. That's all right. We all know why you're anti-Catholic. What happened to you in uh, Sunday school <laughs> from Boston? Uh... Hey, guys. So, um, you know, as, as I reflect on my non-dystopian mystery month, um, I, what I what I think also tied the movies together is they were all very, like very low budget. Like I, I left the last couple weeks, Shaw Quarter and Alphaville, thinking, oh, geez, I, I like what they're trying to do here. They're, they didn't nail it. They didn't have the resources. They did it really quick. They didn't have a set. And I, I sort of leave this movie feeling the same way where like it could have been so much more, but they were limited in how they could show 2022 and, and other things. You know, I, mean, I was laughing at the televisions. Like, some things were just so non-2022. Um, so I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. Um, no, no nouns, just an eight out of 10 um, because of like what they did with what they had in trying to portray this uh, dystopian world. So I'll give them a good score there. How, how, how about an uh, eight out of 10 cathode ray, uh, cathode ray. Oh, come on. You know, Eucharist. Cathode ray? Yes. Yeah. Let's go with that. Keto Eucharist. That's a good point that you bring up, Pete. I think the budget really played into what they could do. And I also read that they didn't want it to be an action movie. 
So that whole time when Charlton Heston was was on that search to the factory, there's no dialogue, which was intentional. And I think overall the movie was for for what it would be so different if it was made today, right? That just if it had a huge budget, what they could do. But it was really kind of, you know, you focused on these on these people on Charlton Heston and the uh the people who were involved in this conspiracy and Saul. So you really got like a character focused. Well, what's 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 the what's the earliest sci-fi film we we watched? Which, which is the one like the the one with the the evil AI that was in all the oh that camera? was that was Julie Sis, Julie Christie carries the Demon Seed yeah ah the Demon Seed yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be uh, how how what demon, year was that Solaris too um I think Julie Christie that was that was the seventies I'm not sure if it was let me look it up. Yes, Solaris was earlier than that, right? Yeah, and then, then you had two thousand and one. When did two thousand and one come out? Uh, Demon Seed was seventy seven, which was after this. But you had like this. This reminds me of Invasion, like something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. If we're talking sci fi, that's like an early yeah, nineteen seventy two, nineteen seventy two for Solaris. And, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers came out in the fifties, and that was based off of the novel I Am Legend, which is I think is one of the earlier. And two thousand one was nineteen sixty eight. Oh, yeah. which so big reveal! I've never seen. Wait, what? I've never seen two thousand one. I put it off for so I've, long. Wow, I've, I've only I've only seen a third of it. Yeah, I don't know I've if read I've seen the it. book. Enough, I've read I've wow. read the book. I, I I still haven't. Yeah, the two of you. It's just, you know, you get a blind spot and it sits there and it lingers for a while. And you, it's just, you know, it just becomes a thing. Same thing with Top Gun. Which, yeah, I, which I mean, is the more important Top movie? Gun. It's debatable. It's debatable. It's debatable. Well, you, you, you know, I, I can't believe I didn't bring this up during the discussion. Um, I'm just going to dump it right here. But the image, the imagery of dump trucks picking up people and shoveling them was so powerful like for me when i watched that and they just did it over and over and over again i'm like if that is not one of the main themes of this movie you know of, of course it was but, but do you love how alphaville tried to show you that in the movie theater but this movie actually took the step further of having the stuntmen all like in there and oh, putting yeah. their lives at risk so it's, it was just it's like crazy. so real it was just so like scooping people up in a fucking dump truck like they were like they were cattle and just dumping them in it was so it was so real and so beautiful i mean not beautiful but it was beautifully shot i i i agree 100% i the only thing that i wished was at the end when they dumped it into the the pool the water the bodies they weren't in the blankets anymore you know because and i think yeah. it's a budget thing i'm sure there was like sh there were shitty mannequins under those but if yeah. you could have like actual like dead bodies would have been very effective because yeah. you're not boiling the sheets and putting that in soil like green right so yeah they they needed to do that they i i right. thought about that too so, so so somebody else was also thinking about well what are they they're not going to put the sheets into the green like how are they gonna are they do they burn it off and then they process the human or like yeah. Did anybody else go through this whole thought process about how how practically they were processing the? Uh, oh, the absolutely. Body? 
Hundred percent, but like that, but uh, that I kind of stopped it once I saw the covers on. I, I just thought, like, oh no, this is this is not possible to process this. You have to remove the cover. Everything else is possible after because you can filter out the bones and all the like this. The, the, but you, 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 I mean, technically, I suppose you could if if they made the covers of something that was readily dissolvable, and you know maybe if you heat it up to a certain point. Or, or it would at least break down the structural integrity. Then you could then just do a filtration like process after bio, biodegradable shrouds. Wow, um, yeah, we've gone too com deep. Compostable, compostable shrouds. We, so we what, what do you have in twenty twenty two? We don't have food. We do have compostable shrouds. <laughs> Where we, we, it's time for Marco to introduce his month, and and for us to thank Pete for a magnificent mystery month. Yeah, let's yeah let's mystery not, let's, month. Pete, Pete, great job. Always great. The, the great thing about a Pete month is you watch movies that, I mean, that with this one in particular, one that I should have seen a long time ago, but movies that I never would see uh, go on my own. And I'm happy that I've seen them. Yeah. So kudos to you, Pete. And I also wanted to make the note that Brian, that was way too detailed of uh, breaking down bodies. What's in your barn? Marco. Why don't you tell us for for the for for the folks at home and for us who 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 didn't happen to glance at the schedule um, ten minutes before the meeting started and see you typing in the movies that for next month? <laughs> um, <laughs> why don't you reveal to us what are we doing? Because oh, I I put a poll by the way on Spotify. There's an option for a poll that so what what should Marco do next month? Kurosawa Part Two or Orson Welles? Did anybody? Fill out the poll. No. no. <laughs> so why? Why even mention that? That <laughs> was, was funny. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, do, do you? Who's the host? Pull up the pull up the slide. Okay, I'm Which gonna pull up it. the slide. I'm gonna share my screen. I'm not gonna share my entire desktop because of the pictures I have. Talk amongst yourselves. I was not prepared for this, so I got to I got to queue it up. Talk amongst yourselves. Nope. Carlton Heston was fifty. Did we even mention that? That means we're almost at that age that he was at. It's crazy. Twenty years away. Crazy. Can't wait. I got ten. We still got some good years left in us, Saul. Saul is a great character. He was. I I feel like we could we could have talked more about. Saw what was their relationship? Are they like they're partners and living together? They're just roommates. Just I mean, yeah, I think I think you just you find common um common interest roommates. So they worked together. They liked each other. So I think it was just an understanding. That's my best guess. See, so it's not like at UMass Dartmouth when they just like threw people that had no business living together with each other. Speaking of, uh, had two visitors last night, Remy and Jay. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, cool. What'd you guys do? Sampled the local water and holes and uh, mm -hmm. just chilled by the fire. Cool, cool. There we go. All right. So here's our schedule for next month for the folks at home. And also, to just to know, Pete actually put up his slide today for November. So if you want to if you want to get a nice visuals of the movies we watched, they're up there. And we got Frozen Peas, oh. the story of Orson Welles in four films. Orson Welles, Marco. 
All right. So, so the the frozen peas is a is a reference to a rather infamous uh, radio commercial that Orson Welles did for Scandinavian food company uh, Findus. But uh, along with you know probably being more more well known for his uh, his directorial uh, work. Uh, Orson Welles was also quite a mainstay of uh, of advertisements for a, a particular period during that time. So, frozen peas uh, is just one of the stories that we'll get into during this month because, along with four excellent films that we'll see, I actually just really want to drop in a number of clips from uh, such such great great um series as as the critic there's a lot of references to orson wells in the the old uh, um cartoon critic uh also a lot of infamous tv commercials that he did in particular uh one champagne commercial where there's a lot of outtakes of him getting more and more drunk as he's doing the the commercial so along with the actual feature films and i'll I probably will add supplementals to this, but along with the feature films, I thought we'd we'd also explore uh, some of the stuff he was doing, um, mostly mostly for money, and I think he was doing it to fund his films uh, in particular. So we'll start with F is for Fake, uh, which has a a big reveal at the end. So don't don't Google it. Don't look it up if you haven't seen it. It's huge spoiler for F is for Fake. Uh, but definitely one of my favorite documentaries. Uh, Chimes at Midnight will revisit uh, Shakespeare with Wells. So I think I think we've done Shakespeare through the eyes of Brando. Um, who is the other one? This is this will be like the third Shakespeare we do, I believe. Ah, uh, no. William William Lustig, who did um yeah no I was gonna say um Frank Henenlotter who did a uh, basket case. Right. Yeah. 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 That one. That one. So we'll we'll what was the other Shakespeare we did? Uh, oh right, Kurosawa. So we we've done uh, Brando and Julius Caesar. We've done uh, Kurosawa's. Uh, take on Shakespeare, and now we'll do Orson Welles' take on Shakespeare, so we'll continue that. And then Touch of Evil, film noir masterpiece, and then we will, uh, for the last week of the, the film part of the month, we will discuss whether or not Citizen Kane really is one of the greatest films of all time. This is exciting. Very exciting. Exciting. I haven't seen I haven't seen any of these, and I've been meaning to watch Citizen Kane. Yeah, uh, I haven't I haven't seen the middle two. I, I actually haven't seen a lot of Orson Welles. That's why I wanted to do an Orson Welles month. I really haven't dug into him. And then uh, I'll I'll chuck on uh, supplementals to this. So he's he's only got about nine films that he directed. So with supplementals, it'll basically be is his his entire catalog and th there's a few others on there that i would have liked to have had and are probably worth watching so i'll dump those in there later today and i've never seen any orson wells so this is any 
I haven't seen a, I don't think so. My, oh. my, um, my knowledge of Orson Welles comes from the, uh, the classic, which came up last month week, um, the Garfield Thanksgiving. And I just, I just know that Orson Welles is a fat man because there's a, there's like a good five minute scene where Garfield steps on the scale and the, and it's a talking scale. And the talking scale is, is, is like saying, Orson Oh, Welles. you must be Orson Welles, but it like goes on for a long time. It's like, Oh, I loved you in <laughs> Rosebud or Citizen. Can, can you, all right, all right. Can you find that? Can you find a clip of that and add it into the add it into the month? I, I will. I will. It's the whole thing is on YouTube, but it's like it's it's out of a twenty minute special. It's a good five minutes, which which is representative of that 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 special and how Jim Davis was yeah, just, just put it the timestamp in there. I'll, I'll put the timestamp in there. No. So, uh, fun fun fact: his I believe his last role, his final acting role, was actually. The uh, original Transformers animated film. He's he's Unicron. Uh, in case save, anybody save the thought that. Month. Whoa! And um, we should also note um, for the folks at home. Pete made a made a note in the chat. He makes cameo in Muppet movie. I'm gonna Raguch, I'm gonna turn I'm gonna turn this into a drinking game. Every time Raguch says for the folks at home. <laughs> Are you gonna fucking take a shot? I'll do it. I know. <laughs> all right. So the folks at home, I've stopped sharing screen, and that is all for this week for MRAC Film Club. Does anyone have any plugs? Anyone would like to plug anything? No. But for the folks at home, Brian's <laughs> holding up a plug. <laughs> Old plug. And if you need to contact us, you can contact us at mrecfilmclub uh, at gmail.com. And for QQ, uh, you can also reach out through there, but she won't send an email back. She doesn't have thumbs, and she can't be bothered to answer your emails. So, yeah, great month again, Pete. Thanks for a, a solid Hello. month. Marco, Hello. looking forward great to Pete. Wells. Bravo. Clap, clap, clap. Cheers, cheers, cheers. All right. See you next week. Speaking of dicks, Brian, what are you eating there? Pretzel sticks. Oh, Ooh, nice. pretzel sticks. Yeah, I, I, they got the, the nice big chunks of salt on the. Are those, are That's why I, you, you got to eat on the outside. You got to like. Do you are like, like you're eating like it like a, a like a like a like a like a ear of corn? Yeah, salt. You salt. Is that how you eat those? And then you pretend to smoke it like a stove, and then you bite into it, and then you <laughs> slather and repeat. Huh? So, so you what you end up with by the time you eat it is like a soggy, tasteless breadstick. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> sounds good. Speaking of breadsticks, I got Little Caesars, which which I thought like was pretty much non-existent back back east. No, they, they're still they're, around. They're 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 keeping it alive here. It would it is good. It is like it's it's like a very distinct. I like as far as fast food pizza goes, it's, it's like my go-to over like Domino's. They, or... they still they still have the five dollar pizza deal. Yeah, they're still cheap. It's like nine bucks, eight nine bucks for a for a large pizza. I was just having this conversation today.
hands down, the best pizza is Domino's pan pizza. I mean, which one is the which one is the pan? Is that that kind of question? What do you mean? Which one is the pan? Is that regular pizza or is that like a? No, no, no. It's the pan pizza. Well, explain to the for the folks at home what a pan (laughs) pizza. I know, I know, but for the folks at home who may not know, this isn't going to make it into the episode. You know what a fucking pan pizza? It's the one that's a little bit thicker. It's got thicker crust. It's thicker. They got and, and it's, it's it's on like a like a cast iron pan. I don't know if it's cast iron or not, but like um, the crust is thicker and it, it comes up at a ninety degree angle and is crispy on the edges. It's unbelievable. It's fucking amazing. Well, well, pizza, pizza, Pizza Hut was the first one to do that. They have the personal pan pizza, and you'd have the book it. I think it was book it the Scholastic Book Club. If you read a book a month, you got a free personal pan pizza well domino's just came out with the emergency pizza coupon that you can use it once if you need an emergency free medium pizza they will give it to you are you serious what an amazing marketing idea like it's amazing fantastic it's unbelievable. No, no, unbelievable. Domino's, Domino's totally upped their game about 12 years ago. They like changed the recipe of the dough and they, they just got the, way better. And the sauce. They went from good to great. They went from good to great. Yeah, the sauce, which I guess you can still get it, right? You can still get like the old sauce. You know, Domino's in South Korea was always been good. Even before they changed the recipe, they were like good there before it was good here. Yeah. I, I actually, I was, I was reading some commentary about Someone's saying like going to to McDonald's in Japan, and and McDonald's it's supposed to taste the same everywhere, right? You're supposed to get that that McDonald's taste, that that American taste, right? But apparently, like there's so many food restrictions and um like health restrictions in Japan, like it's actually a good burger because they can't they can't put out something in Japan that's not of the highest quality. So apparently, McDonald's in Japan is quite good. And, and and in Domino's in in Japan, it's it's like it it's just like Google the menu. It's insane. They have like a thousand different kinds of pizzas, and there's all these ridiculous sauces on top of it. Pete, are you eager to get to the movie? Or are you doing our- <laughs> well? No, I mean that was a word from our sponsors. Now we're going to get back. <laughs> all right, let's. Uh, and, well, and, and then just a moment of silence for our first responders, right? The people I who deliver these pizzas. There's emergency yeah. pizza, dude. Dude, Rigooch, we are we are do, we are testing this. We are getting emergency pizza delivered for one of the meetings. Sounds good. So, that sounds perfect. Wait, we watch Top Gun. Wait, what if what if we all get the emergency pizza delivered? I'm not sure I have a Domino's within delivery distance of me. I might have to go pick it up, but I'll, I'll call them ahead of time. Be like, it's an emergency. I'm on my way. I, I think I might be closer to a Domino's than you are, actually. I know there's one at Bangkok. 